whatever compensation, it's just huge for them to post and say, hey, I've collaborated with Nordstrom, right? That makes it very powerful for their own brand as a micro-influencer. So the more of that effect you have, the more of an advantage you have. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owners Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron. And Christian, we want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, y'all. On today's episode, we have David from InBeat Agency. David's agency specializes in helping brands create relationships with micro-influencers to build awareness, drive sales, and create content. Uh, This was a super value-packed episode, and we walked away with a ton of notes. So in this episode, you're going to learn these three things and more. One, how many micro-influencers you need for your campaign and your business. Number two, how a, a practical use scenario for clothing boutiques and apparel brands. And number three, why influencer marketing is still one of the most untapped avenues to drive sales for your online store. All right, guys, enjoy. David, thanks so much for, for joining us on the, the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So uh, I just want to hit this, kind of hit the ground running. I know we only have a short time and want to be respectful here. But so what do you what exactly is a micro influencer and what do you guys consider a micro influencer? If, uh, a lot of the people who listen are apparel brands or e-commerce direct to consumer brands. And so they may not have even heard that term. What is a micro influencer? What do you guys consider that? Yeah. So internally inside our, our company, we consider a micro influencer, anyone with 5,000 to 25,000 followers on Instagram. And we take that uh, definition a bit higher on TikTok, going through a hundred thousand to 250,000 followers there. So give or take approximate kind of metric, but that's essentially where we land. And what we characterize as a micro influencer is just essentially a social media creator that's starting to pick up some following that's good at creating content. And that's what, uh, that's what differentiates them. And what, what made you start this? Like, why, why is there a need for micro influencers? I guess, cause I, you know, we heard of the Kim Kardashians, the Kylie Jenner's, et cetera, but like, are there really needs for micro influencers or how, to, how exactly does that work? Yeah. So that's a good question. I mean, we, we started into micro-influencer marketing. We were an SEO agency building backlinks for client. Client came to us, asked us, hey, I want to dabble with this micro-influencer thing. And we said, sure, why not? We can give it a shot. Looked at it, realized it was a lot like link building, dove into it, cracked it, worked really well. And here we are today only doing that. So um, what's the advantage of micro-influencers? In our sense, it's really just the scalability. The amount of content you can get for the same budget versus a bigger influencer is is uncomfortable in the sense that, you know, you can work with 50 influencers, have them create multiple images or video content or whatever kind of content you're looking to create. And you can reuse that content across your paid media, email marketing, e-commerce, and so forth. So that's really where the edge of micro-influencer stands for a lot of our clients, especially those fashion retailers that drop a new collection out and they want tons of content for their new collection, send it to a list of seed influencers, get that content created, and then boom, you can reuse that across all of your media while it lasts. I guess there's a couple of questions I have from that. Sure. One, um, I want to talk about structuring it. So is your guys' role within like working with the micro-influencer and the brand, like you're the, the middle person in helping them coordinate the, the deals or where do you guys come in uh, right. exactly? 
So we do have a software platform where, you know, it's more of like a self-serve kind of approach where people just go there. They have influencers with their contact information and, you know, they can contact them. Service is on top of that. A lot of people actually come to us. I'm like, holy cow, this is hard to manage. These people are hard to follow up with, right? So that's where we come in. We make sure that the relationship is smooth from A to Z. Make sure that the influencer posts when you provide them with product or pay them and so forth. And we make sure they sign the agreements, give us access to their copyrights. And then we follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, and follow up some more. These people are are not like, you know, business operators. They're getting started into it. So this is kind of new. They're, they're not as organized as you would imagine, right? So there's a lot of kind of handholding that we have to do. And that's really where we stand with our clients. And this becomes even truer when we work with Gen Z influencers, a younger crowd, like the, the, the organization is just lower. I mean, some of them are 18 and, you know, it gets harder there. And so we help them with that. So yeah, that's essentially where we stand in there. That's interesting. So it's like a hybrid part software, part service that you guys sort of mix in together. Correct. Yeah. And the vision is really to bring one into the other down the line, have a vetted network of influencers that you can just access through the platform. So you have access to both the kind of, hey, here are the email addresses. And then, hey, here's our vetted network if you don't want to waste any time and just dive into it. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. The I guess the next question is that you mentioned uh, apparel brands dropping a collection, which I love. but my my question from that is how soon or how much in advance do you need to be reaching out to certain influencers to make sure that you get the content in time for the for yeah. the drop, right? If I knew the drop's going to happen on October 30th or 31st or whatever, how far in advance do I need to be trying to get this content or reaching out or communicating just as a yeah. general? Such a such an interesting question, right? And the answer is really, it depends. We, what we usually do is that we set up the relationships before the drop happens, right? Just to make sure that we've got people lined up, but we don't give them the product before the drop happens because it's just going to leak. Like they're going to post and then your collection is going to be leaked before you do your marketing push. If you're a smaller brand, that might not matter as much to you. So you can, you can take that into consideration. But if you're more like a Nordstrom of this world and whatnot, then, you know, these dates are extremely important to respect. So we'll line them up, hype them up, let them know what it's about approximately. And then we'll ship all the products simultaneously. So they ship in a, within a week window. So it's really hard to coordinate a drop where you have everyone sh- um, posting on the same day. And so we we aim to have it in a one week window. And that that's just shipping is hard. Uh, you know, logistics, people don't get their product at the same time. And, you know, it, it becomes kind of nightmarish. So having a one week window is probably what I'd recommend doing when organizing one of these drops. Very, very interesting. Uh, and I guess from uh, and as I guess that's really just a, a smart way to approach it. But whenever you're like structuring the deals with the influencers, uh, does it matter the size of the influencer? Like if it's somebody with five thousand followers or somebody with twenty five thousand followers, do you structure the deals differently? Where it's like you get free product and you need to do X amount of posts, or I guess what exactly goes on there um, from the influencer side? What does the brand yeah. have to give up or need to do? So- Here's how we structure it. And I love the question, right? But essentially we ask for one post and one story, right? But people will extend that, you know, de- depending on your brand. What what you can do to activate, just get more people to post is, you know, add some soft value in there as a brand. So if you've got 100,000 plus followers on Instagram, 
repost of brand that the influencers that are crushing it during your your drop that's going to incentivize more people to post and then but we don't ask like for hardcore numbers of posts and stories we just say one post one story rock the suit don't wear any other brands you know except if it's the shoes and whatnot it doesn't matter and that's about it and we 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 don't even guide them in the content format most of the time you know if we want video content we'll go on tiktok if we want still imagery or reels we'll go on instagram and just let them decide for themselves but yeah that's how we kind of structure it and are the deals that you do with the uh, with the influencers, are those kind of gated? Like it's between the brand and the influencer as far as like, do they pay them in addition to that? Or um, is it just like a case-by-case basis? Yeah, again, it's a case-by-case basis. So you can say, hey, we're going to do this drop. And then, you know, let's say we want to reuse an influencer's content in paid media. We'll pay them X amount for the copyright. So you can just go up front and say, hey, we're going to pay each influencer a couple hundred dollars and then just get them to drop maybe aim for a higher follower count and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, right out of the gate, we're going to ask for copyright. So really depends on how you're looking to angle it. And like it, it, to all like the, the brands that are listening out there, it really depends on, on your goodwill, right? Do you have a cold following? Do you have a brand that people just resonate with? And that's going to play massively in how these influencers react to you reaching out. So if your brand just crushes it, people love it for whatever reason, you've got a cold following, then it's very easy to ask people to do posts in exchange for product. And then after that, um, go from there. But if you don't have that cold following, you're, 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 and it, you, you can just as well just pay them and it's going to be simpler in many ways. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training. I guess a question that I had was, <clears throat> does micro influencer and using that strategy, does that work for anyone? Um, or are there certain brands that you're you basically turn down or say like, okay, maybe you're not ready for this right now. Um, you need to be doing X, Y, and Z before you kind of start doing or implementing micro-influencers it, into your marketing. Yeah, it definitely works for brands that are starting to grow on Instagram. Like, you know, they have at least 10,000 plus followers. If you're starting out, then it's really hard to just get that goodwill built in. So think about it this way, right? The influencer gets something out of it, right? So if you're a brand and, you know, they're a micro-influencer and Nordstrom reaches out to them, that's huge for them, right? Even if there's no monetary whatever compensation, it's just huge for them to post and say, hey, I've collaborated with Nordstrom, right? That makes it very powerful for their own brand as a micro-influencer. So the more of that effect you have, the more of an advantage you have. So, you know, it's going to make it easier. But I mean, like a lot of the times the brand we see succeeding with this have figured out their their paid media strategy. So they're running a paid paid social that's working. They're running Facebook ads and whatnot and uh, Google AdWords and sorry, and they've got that figured out, which usually means they've got their unique selling propositions down to a T, their collections resonate with their end user, they know who their target audience is and so forth, which makes the entire influencer marketing component that much easier. It's a, go ahead. So start. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. What I was going to say is that's a really good point of of like attribution. So how do you guys, how do you guys measure effectiveness, right? If they're doing paid ads, email marketing, live selling, all these things, how can you say, 
the micro influencer, you know, did this much, or is it just total brand lift and total sales? Or how do you guys, how do you measure effectiveness? So you've got the brand lift and you can provide the influencers with a promo code. Then they can use that promo code to track direct attribution, extremely hard. But, you know, usually it's like, okay, what our clients really love is when a content we provide them just crushes it in paid media. Then that's a huge justifier for micro-influencer marketing because all of the rest is a bonus. The brand lift is a bonus and you're getting tons of content to republish on your social pages and so forth. So that makes it really easy. And if we get into the TikTok game, well, you know, creating TikTok content is hard. Brands have no clue how to crack it. So getting influencers to create content for you makes it makes your social media team quite happy because they have content that they can publish to their page. And yeah, so I would forth, like to so. just say amen. Uh, amen to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so whenever you're like, um, I want to paint a scenario for here in a second, but I'm just thinking for right now, if you were, if, let's just say the, the three of us uh, decided to drop a clothing line in the next couple of months and we figured everything else out, how many influencers would be ideal for us to reach out to and have um, a part of this drop? Yeah, I would, I would probably, you know, like it really depends on what our sales figure, but I would at least want 50 to be part of the drop because just cost of good on, on clothing is not high and the value you can get out of it is really high. And from a strategy standpoint, I just find a, I'd find an angle that can just build us massive goodwill, right? You know, and then just build on that. So save the oceans, you know, you see all these brands that are just crushing it because they're standing behind something. So that's, that's what I do. And then I'd make these, these target influencers, I'd make sure that they align with that vision so that we just get maximum output from them. Very cool. And that's something your guys' company helps with is like, this is the person, this is who they align with. This is a good fit for your brand. Like you guys help with that part of the service side too. Yeah, we always, we always try to craft a story, right? And, you know, we always try to get, like, ideally we have a found, like if we see that we have a charismatic founder and we're like, hey, you know, uh, could you record a video, right? Just explaining what your brand is about so that we can share that with the influencers when we reach out to them. Just try to craft that story and the more perceived value we can build in there, the, the lower the cost per collaboration is going to be. Very cool. I'm like feverishly taking notes over here as well. <laughs> sure thing. all right so a lot of the people as i mentioned earlier like clothing boutiques apparel brands and let's just say they're doing you know 50 60k per month right now um what would be your strategy for going in like they're they literally have no idea because they've never done anything with micro influencing um as probably you've realized that with most of the new people you work with it's probably their first time um what how do you how would you go about how would you go about creating a strategy um determining budget how much should they budget for this um just kind of i guess treat this as a as if we were a client and our revenue like i said is 50 60k per month and we we're trying to jump into this market we got paid ads figured out got email figured out yeah so at that point right it's ramping up these these channels and using micro influencers to help along the way what I do with that kind of budget, to be honest, I wouldn't even approach an agency if I was running on a 50, 60 K per month. I don't think it really makes sense, especially if you haven't dabbled with it. I think what you should do is really just work with 10 influencers. Just, just set it for yourself. Let's work with 10 influencers. Look in your followers. If you've got people that follow you that have a decent following and then, you know, use them potentially as a way to start the relationship. Then, you know, I just work with 10, see, see how it fits. And then 10 is very manageable 
It's not going to be hard. You're going to get a sense of, okay, what does this thing look like? And then after that, then, you know, you can see how it fits into the bigger picture, but you're going to get a good sense of how it's going to be able to fit. A couple of advice there is, you know, make sure to ask the influencers questions, right? Make make it an opportunity for you to get data on your unboxing oper- uh, unboxing experience, how they how they found the brand, what other brands they look up to that they really love. If they were marketing director inside our company, what would they change, right? Ask some questions like that. These people understand social really well. So build it in and let them pave the way. But essentially that's what I would do. And then after that, you know, reach out to an agency, three agencies for that matter, because, you know, you never want to reach out to one agency. Hate saying that, but that's the truth, right? So it's, you know, and then just, just, just kind of evaluate all of these different opportunities and run with it. So, so powerful. I, I, I wasn't even think that's such a good approach with that too, is that, yeah, starting out with the 10, I was thinking whenever you said the 50, if we would have cut the podcast, then I would have been like running off and saying, okay, let's work with the 50 versus, Hey, we've never done anything. We're starting with the 10. Uh, I want to I want to give an opportunity and also just kind of hear any stories that you have of like um, maybe smaller brands or medium sized brands that you've worked with that use micro influencers and maybe you could kind of talk about a case study because I think more than anything people are, are, who are listening it it is newer so they're trying to figure out what it what's yeah. what's possible here um, and maybe you can share some numbers behind some some campaigns you guys have done. Yeah, so I mean some of the favorite campaigns we're running right now are um, we're running campaigns with a uh, dirt powder, which is a kid's clothing brand here in Quebec. And, you know, um, I'm in Montreal, by the way. So they're like local uh, client and we're running a, a drop with them, 200 influencers for snowsuits, And, you know, and it's, it's absolutely crushing it. They're reusing the content everywhere. I don't think I can give exact figures. Unfortunately, I wish I could. I didn't get the client's approval on that. So I'm going to keep that. But uh, we're running a 200 influencer campaign up from a 50 influencer drop in the past. So you can imagine that the success was there, right? So, and it's absolutely fantastic. You get tons of mothers creating unboxing videos. You get tons of content of, you know, kids wearing the clothing and so forth. And what's interesting about them is that we really segmented it and like, okay, let's when we onboard these influencers, let's ask about their the age of their kids. And then let's ask, okay, are they interested in fashion clothing or more like snowsuit clothing? So we could create two different kind of content angles. And then we also said, let's do 40% TikTok creators so that we get that TikTok content up and running. So yeah, that's doing pretty well um, in terms of, of just driving that upwards. And interestingly with them is that, you know, and it's interesting because it's, um, we're actually starting to roll that out on multiple accounts, but we're targeting a very specific market, which is in the Ontario market here in Canada, province of Canada, Ontario. And it's just, it's interesting. I feel like we're getting a bigger impact because we're just super targeted on one province. And if you have 200 mothers posting, you know, in a, in a given province, it, it, there's going to be massive overlap between these collaborations. So you can create a bigger effect. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it, at that point, it's like you have the omnipresence. You feel like it's it's literally everywhere. If you're going to buy it yeah. at this point, you've been incentivized enough to buy it and, and go and do it. Yeah. And then you can run, you know, you can run whitelisting ads on, on the influencers and, you know, just like run ads on the influencers content. It's going to be distributed in people's feed works really well. So tons of nice things you can play with. Uh, one of the last things here, so we talked a lot about with Instagram and TikTok, whenever you're, um, 
when you're focused on an influencer marketing, are you guys specifically for um, e-commerce brands on Instagram and TikTok, or do you do anything for YouTube, or uh, or are there any other platforms that you guys are talking about? We do do some YouTube, uh, very little relative to the others, um, just because of the sheer number of influencers there are on Instagram and TikTok. But we do do quite a number of YouTube influencers relative, uh, relatively. And, uh, you know, we do work with other brands, like we work with online education platforms, online uh, apps, mobile games, and so forth. But truth be told, our bread and butter is really direct to consumer and e-commerce. That's really where we shine and our processes are really fine-tuned to this market. So that's really what we're focusing on accidentally, I guess. You know, we're open to taking clients in the mobile space. It's pretty fun to work that space, but we're yeah, mostly doing just riding that wave. Because it's e-commerce. Uh, it's definitely there's so many brands out there. It's crazy. Every time, every time a brand signs up, I'm like, wow, like I didn't realize there was that awesome brand out there and just crushing it. And it's like, that's so cool. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I think uh we are getting close to time. Um, I want to be respectful of that, but I also want to uh, so for those who are who are listening. This is perfect for, and I just kind of want to recap and just clarify, this is perfect for that direct-to-consumer brand who is growing and wants to jump into influencer marketing predominantly. I mean, if you're a clothing brand, it just even makes even more sense. But uh, best way to, to reach out to you guys, is it uh, they need to just go to your website? What's, how do they find out more about you? In Beat Agency, uh, you can you can go right there, schedule a call with us. It's pretty straightforward. There's a button direct to the Calendly link, so really easy to book a call. And InBeat.co, if you just want to dabble with influencer marketing and you know just use the database and see what you can pull out, and can add me on uh, LinkedIn as well, David Morneau, M-O-R-N-E-A-U, and that's really it. Awesome. We will link all of that in the show notes. David, thank you so much. This was extremely valuable. Appreciate it. Well, thanks, guys. I really like the format of having three people on a podcast. So thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBranding and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.